Hey, I'm Fuzz. I'm Joel. Welcome to Fags and Fendi. And we're here to talk about life, relationships, and what it is to be a queer person of color in Australia. He said it all. Welcome back to another episode of Fags in Fendi. We are your favorite fags. This morning, I am ready to go to the gym immediately post-recording. How are you this morning, Joe? I am, absolutely. You're not, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I am still reeling down from the traffic that I had to go through, the train strikes. Oh, that's right. There's a strike on today. The strikes. How do you feel about the strikes? So apparently the train drivers and the bus drivers are both striking today. Apparently the government has agreed and then they've gone back again. So hence the strike again. So Mm -hmm. it's been going on for the whole month. I wouldn't know. I just tried to take the train today. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a hassle for people. (laughs) I, uh, I just get on. And just like trying to cross the bridge at 8.30 a.m., I'm just not doing it anymore. I'm just claiming it on the video. (laughs) To everybody who lives in North Sydney, anywhere across the bridge, you chose to live in Narnia, darling. So if you would like to come back into civilization. You know, people who live in Brangler shouldn't talk because they should be here 10 minutes earlier, but they never are. No, but we have to be late because we have to get our coffees. We're more leisurely here because we have more time because we don't have to cross the bridge like trolls do. So it is what it is. Here we are. How was the week? It's been a beautiful week um i had friends over some of my very very closest friends um who are all fijian but <laughs> interestingly only my partner was in from fiji i had rachel <laughs> in from noosa and i had moji in from canberra we just had a great old time you know like just just kind of like grounding and it's it's always good to to be with your people to feel like yourself so that's always yeah. a fun thing yeah. um but you know aside from that it's just been really hectic well, i mean first of all mkr has fed and grand finale is well if you're hearing this it was yesterday yes absolutely so the, but so, you guys have cooked your last cook oh. We cooked our last cook on Sunday, which was a lot of fun. It was so good to be able to represent and to be able to to do what we went out there to do. You know, for me personally, as a person of color, as a queer person, as a Pacifica person, it was important to be there and to be as unapologetic in all of those ways as possible. I think it's one thing that I've really been thinking about recently is about how sometimes we are trained within communities like this one that we live in to be embarrassed of certain elements of who I've never had that problem because I grew up in the island. So I am not at all embarrassed of the fact that I I am Fijian or that I'm an island. I'm not at all embarrassed of my accent. I'm not at all embarrassed of the way that I talk or my intonations or my inclinations. I have no embarrassment. In fact, if anything, I'm very proud of it. The more I can sound like that, the better. And I think that translates through to my queerness as well. I'm not embarrassed to be a queer man of color. I'm actually very proud to be. So what do you take away after the show? What I take away from the show is that essentially I... I was all of those things. And I'm just really grateful that for me personally, I was portrayed exactly as I am. Mm. I mean, like, in fact, if anything, I might have been slightly toned down on the show. But broadly speaking, I think that mostly I was exactly as I am. And and if that means that, like, somebody looks and they're like, oh, cool, I could do that too, then fantastic. Because that's all we can do in life Mm. is we can make things better for the generations to come. So... Mm. That well, is I still think, is. like I said, you represented everyone. It was not just the uh, Fijian culture, just people people in color in general mm. and the queer people. So we're very proud of you. Aww. I don't want to say it, but isn't you know, it cute? I know a I lot of people that. are. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, look, 
It's very fun. It was very, very fun. So on to the next. What's next? Uh, next, who knows? I like to like just go with the flow of life, which kind of like lends itself to what it is that we're actually discussing today. Because this is not going to be a wank session about MKR, although it could be. <laughs> um, come no. back in six months, we I said, think, right? Yeah, in six months, we'll come back, then I'll dish all the goss. Um, right now, I'm bound by contract not to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about but, today? You know, I think that like... Um, What's really interesting about this, just just about sort of like flowing through the journey of life, you know, there's different elements, right? That like you got to just like I, I was telling a friend of mine recently um, who is contemplating various elements of life. And I was like, you got to just learn to ride the waves. Again, something I take from my island heritage. Sometimes when you're out in the ocean. And a wave is coming, not in Australia. If you get caught in a rip, you'll die. We don't have those features. <laughs> but like where I come from, Man, that was an ugly if, if you are as far out as possible in open sea, and if a wave comes, you know, you don't fight it. You just go with it. And there's something really quite beautiful about surrendering to a wave. And even if a wave is about to crash onto you, instead of trying to scurry away from it, if you just lend yourself to it. So very often we'll dive under the wave. Something about it, it just, you know, it transports you. It, it makes you feel free. And I think that that's sort of the metaphor for life we just got to go with the waves you got to you got to ride the waves you got if it's going to crash over you just dive under it like don't try and resist it and that lends itself to the conversation one of the major streams of life what are we all looking for in life we're looking for oh. love <laughs> everyone is looking my for favorite love. topic <laughs> <laughs> and i think that everybody in some some regard is looking for love i mean whether it's again you know just having rachel and moji and um and eli here you know different types of love you know but i do agree i think going back to what you said about um waves is not just that you just come to a stage in your life when you realize you're just not in control and mm. us being religious people we know we are not in control we mm. know there's a bigger plan and there's a god above and he plans everything the sooner we realize you know there's there reaches a point in your age when you're like you're control freak and you want to control a few things and god laughs is you're like a joke god laughs at you because you're trying to control and plan little little things but you don't see the master plan and that's when i think you realize when you get older again i say getting older when you get older and you realize you really are not in control and you just take it as it comes it's a blessing on its own because you just don't stress about what's next you don't worry you just Take it as it comes. I think I, I generally agree with that, but I do feel that the one thing I will disagree with is this, is I feel like there are points in life because like you're a work in progress. So you're always trying to like figure things out. I surrendered control of my life to, you know, to God, to the, to, to the world, to the things that be and just decide to ride the wave of life very, very early on when I opened my very first business. So when I was like 24, I think. Um, because that's what sort of taught me that like, yeah, you know, you can't, you can't control stuff. So I grew up really fast, um, because oh. I decided to, however, at different points in life, you will be challenged to surrender more of that control. Mm -hmm. And I think that as you get older, like I see, you know, even my dad, for example, you know, who's like the master of letting go. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, even now, every now and again, a circumstance will arise where, where you'll feel like, oh, maybe I should, I should try to, I should try to control that. And you have to make a conscious decision. So like, it's one of those things in life where I think we have this like really unhealthy. And again, this lends itself back to love as well. We, we have this sort of unhealthy belief as human beings that perhaps what we should be seeking is a destination or we should be seeking an end of some mm -hmm. form. But very often there is no real end 
until it's the end. <laughs> you know, every other thing that happens along the way is just another step in the journey. And every step in the journey, you got to make a choice. Oh. You have to decide. Are you, you know, are, are you going to surrender? Are you going to let it go? Are you going to, you know, any of those sorts of things, any decision you make, you make them as you go. Oh. Um, and I think that like, um, you know, I am a spiritual person. For uh -huh. those of y'all that don't know, um, I go to church. I think um, it's it's good for me. And I know that it's not for everybody, but for me, it's a good thing. Um, but one of the things that I've learned to do in that process is every single day make a conscious decision to just surrender my life to to God and to the, yep. to the will of of life, you know, because at it's the end like of the say, day, it's, it's a life. Journey, it's a journey of surrendering. And when we say also, when we say lose control, we don't also mean, you know, you don't do nothing and you just look at the wave passing through. You do your things, but there's aspects where you realize that you cannot control everything about a situation. It's you about intentionality. So it's about intentionality. And I think it's just about like, okay, like you have a, you have a goal for your life, you know, which is usually based on purpose. It's another very interesting thing. We haven't even gone to the topic no, of this not. conversation <laughs> yet, but let me tell you, you know, but sometimes these are useful conversations. This is like parasailing. We're I getting find, there. <laughs> I just find that like very often when people chase things in life, especially right now, they chase things that are obscure and like, you know, like you hear somebody say, um, I'm determined to live a life of purpose. But if you ask them what the purpose is, I think they would find it quite difficult to define because basically what they mean is they want to be famous. So it's like, you know, seeking fame for the sake of fame is it's, it's a futile attempt at living a real life because that's something you'll be chasing for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's something that you will chase for the rest of your life and that you will never achieve if you don't have a purpose. So like, what do you actually want to be like, and what do you want to do in the world? How many people in business have we found that the difference between someone who just starts and go and learn along the way and someone who waits for the, for everything to be ready and in the right place. And then they never start because they're waiting for the perfect scenario. And I've seen so many people like that. I mean, I started my businesses like that too, is you have an idea, you're kind of like 50% prepped and then you just start mm. and then you learn along the way. I find that 100% better than, you know, the friends that started with me and have been waiting for, they're still waiting, waiting for the perfect scenario, perfect store, perfect um, system, but they never start because it's not about that. It is about um, reaching to a point when you're ready, it's inner, your inner self is ready to go. Um, and then you just start and you learn along the way. That's hmm. quite a lot. I find that applies a lot in life as well. But today we're talking about love. No, but actually that's a very, very good. <laughs> Don't continue that thought. If no, 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 it's, it's, no it's, a clever, it's a clever thought because actually very often when it comes to love, we do look for perfection because we are a generation of people now, particularly as millennials who are officially the largest um, generation in the workforce at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, we are now officially the most influential generation. Because Gen Z is quitting and time. leaving, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's just not enough of them. So we, we're the bulk No, because Beyonce told them to quit and leave. And no, resign. she told us to quit and leave because really? she's also millennial. She said, release your line. <laughs> <laughs> because we were apparently too, you know, hard up about this thing. Right. Right. Yeah, um, Beyonce is um, never wrong. Thank you very much. 
<laughs> we'll come back to that. That's another podcast in itself. No need. <laughs> I think that um, I think that very often what we look for in friendships and relationships is perfection. So if you were start to start with friendship, because you know relationship, and when I say re- relationship, I mean like intimate relationships, people that you've been with for a long time. I've been with my partner for fifteen years, you know, and I think that the basis of our relationship is friendship as it should be for everybody. If you are not friends with your partner, why are you even together? Mm. And this is the thing about like, you know, if this is why, you know, I, I sort of in the last episode, I talked about my friend, Robin Taylor, incredible behavioral psychologist who said to me, you know, there's 10, if you have a list of 10 things that you need in this world or 10 things sort of like that you need in a human being for mm. them to match you as a person, you know, char- you know, apart from character, because character was foundation, you know, if you essentially, if, if there's three, you become friends. If there's five, you become like the best of friends. If there's seven, then marry them, you know. That list that we have, those 10 things, if you think about it right now, the 10 things that you want in a human being, those 10 things you apply across the board, you know, like you'll say the basic things like, okay, like if I asked you, so like in a friend, if you were to list five things that you wanted in a friend, what would they be? Mm, Loyalty. Mm -hmm. Kindness. You've got to be a nice person in general um it's too much pressure uh, <laughs> not selfish and dramatic as me <laughs> is that good enough yeah, yeah i mean like but see this is the thing right? so these are these are five elements also though that you would seek in a partner interestingly because if you extend that list to 10 yeah right then you start to get into i don't know if i want a dramatic partner i think i'm dramatic enough <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's one of the things you won't get in a partner. <laughs> so if you expand that list out to 10, you know, then you'd be looking at, like you said, you know, loyalty, kindness, um, a spirit of giving. Uh, you look for somebody who's intelligent, somebody who's creative, somebody who's a go-getter, maybe somebody who um, is ambitious, somebody who can speak to people and is gregarious and can be out there in the world because that's what you you need for your life. You need somebody also who's flexible and somebody who's whatever else. Um you know, just broadly has a good character, somebody who's sort of very strong in their foundation. If you look at those 10 things, you're not going to get all of those things in a single human being, because to be quite frank, you are not those 10 things either. Like we are mm. not those 10 things. We, we attempt to be those things. And like we said before, we're always a work in progress. So mm. in our search for love, rather than seeking perfection because of, that's what all the movies of our childhood told us like yeah. you, know, you write all of your things on a piece of paper put it under a pillow and boom you know the magic person appears well someone's riding in on a horse blah 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 it's prince charming yeah but it that's never happens yeah. and, and usually prince charming's a dick so yeah. like you gotta <laughs> they're all so basic so eli didn't come riding on the horse so <laughs> um that's racist just because i'm fijian you think we ride horses we have no. cars where we come from oh my god this is what i have to put up with racism you know so all my Pacific, no joking. <laughs> I think that like, Did I you think, come in a Mustang then? <laughs> <laughs> I think that, um, I do think that it's important to, to be aware of that, that we should not seek perfection in relationship. What we should seek instead is a complimentary nature. You know, mm. like even with your friends, you know, like we talk all the time, bitches about like, you know, sometimes your friends annoy you and sometimes you want to, you know, punch them in the face, but you don't, you know, you just have to decide who is worth it, you know? So how do you decide well, who we, is worth it? Well, we're talking about this because from the last episode, we spoke about friendships 
and we found that friendships was a very big topic and we kind of ended maybe in the last five minutes talking about relationships. So we felt that it was a good flow on to talk about love today um, from the last time and the theory that you mentioned about finding seven things. I thought that was very interesting to talk about and also um, your experience, you know, being in a 15-year relationship in a in the queer culture, that's very different. That's very unique, um, I find, because I'm a single person. I don't really date. We know that. So for me, listening to that story, I feel like daggers are coming. <laughs> <laughs> listening to that story, I find that very hopeful. And I think it'll be interesting to just unpack that a little bit. So like you said, you know, you guys were friends and then it became a relationship. How do you transition from because we all have close friends we all have friends how did you transition from you know knowing that this guy is your friend and then now he's become a life partner and then also looking towards be him being the one and what does that mean to you I mean, I, do, I think that human emotions are a bit complex I remember um, yeah I, I studied psychoanalysis at university um, it was one of my things I studied mm -hmm. and um what was really interesting, broadly, was we had this discussion around, um, within that, I'm not sure why we got it, but I remember it being a tutorial about how emotions are completely controlled by chemical reactions in your brain, right? So like, basically, if you feel happy, your brain releases dopamine, for example, if you're sad, then it's something else, if it's whatever, you know, like if you are excited, or if you if you sort of um, excite, if you are excited by something, then you, you have adrenaline, there's, there's all these sorts of things that your brain just kind of releases into your body, and then you feel these things. Mm. Um, and basically, you know, the premise of my classmate at the time was that, well, then emotions aren't real, you know, from a philosophical point of view, there's no actual actual way that emotions are real because really they're just these measured re reactions and releases by your brain, which also lends itself to chemical imbalances. And we know what happens in that instance as well. But I pose it to you that we don't actually know even to this day why it is your brain chooses to react the way that it does in those given circumstances. So we know what causes it. We know what causes, we know the chemical that causes you to feel love or the chemical that causes you to feel joy, or the chemical that chooses uh, that causes you to feel sad, or whatever. But why does the brain choose to do that? We don't know. And essentially, I apply the same logic to why we find the people that we find. You don't really know. It just happens. And I think that I, what I have found in life with many of my friends, and I have had some wonderful friendships and relationships created over the years, and I've known, you know, literally hundreds of people and of those, you know, perhaps dozens who have found their significant other in the time that we have been connected. And I think that when that's happened, it's never been a case of, oh, yep, you know, this is, this is fantastic. You, you do all of these wonderful things. And so therefore I'm making a decision. It just happens. And you have to be open to it. And that's where it comes down. That's where it comes back to this idea of perfection and why perfection very often gets in the way. Even in like queer relationships, the idea of perfection gets in the way. We spend such a long time as a generation. See, okay, take it back one step. The generation before us, it was not completely uncommon for there to be monogamous 
same-sex relationships. You have stories now of people who are, you know, they've been together for for decades and, you know, now they're like 80, 90 years old, whatever it is, and they're still together. They just pretended they were friends for the longest time so that nobody would know that they were actually together because of particular laws and societal conventions around it that wouldn't have allowed them to openly explore their relationship. In the generation after that, I think that there was sort of this sense of liberation of being out there and of sort of like, okay, cool. So like we can date now, we can do things now, you know, go back to the first episode where you talk about, where we talked about Heartstopper, for example, and we, you know, within that context, looking at it, feeling sort of like phantom nostalgia for something that never really was. I think that, you know, ultimately what we've done is like, we've tried to define our own terms of relationship as a community and as queer people, because we were never really allowed to do that. The convention of queer people dating and being together and doing sort of like the, you know, normal inverted commas thing um, of like, you know, finding somebody, getting to know them, falling in love, blah, blah. We weren't really allowed to do that. Much of our culture was based and founded, especially when we started to be liberated and, and before we were allowed to get married, because we've had steps, right? I mean, the first process a lot of people forget was just the decriminalization of queerness. Yeah. At the point of decriminalization, when queer people were allowed to step out into the world and to step out into social spaces and interact, you know, semi um, openly, although of course there were still cases of brutality and of, of abuse and of murder and of all sorts of things. But within that period, you know, basically what do they have? You, you had the clubs. Mm. That's where people would go to meet. And so, you know, there was hookup culture, of course. Hookup culture exists right across the spectrum of humanity. It's not just a gay thing, bitches. <laughs> um, you know, like I know it's far too many of my straight male friends have had their fair share of, of the world. Mm. So I think that, you know, let's not pretend that it's just the gays. But um, generally speaking, queer folk across the board now, as we define it, across the broad spectrum of all the different identities that exist within the queer family, we found a different way to exist because we didn't have the we didn't we didn't have that initial experience. Now maybe things are different. I don't know. How do Gen Z relate to relationships? I'm not sure. I think people are um first of all, I don't think you answered my question. Because it's not that easy. It's not that easy. You can't just say that like it just happened. I think that like because the question is I was waiting for the name Eli to drop in my relationship, but okay. <laughs> Well, because him and I have been together for so long. So like, I think that you got to understand that it's not that simple. And all of these conversations are not basic. They are complex discussions around like, well, why? you? I can't answer, I can't say this is why, because there's no reason why. It just is. This, is. this is just the way that it is. But I can tell you why I feel like we seem like an anomaly. It's because we have chosen what would be considered a traditional route or a, a more sort of heteronormative route of relationship. Hmm. Whereas our culture as queer people Why is, is not that? based in that. Why do you kind of like, because a lot of queer people now look at it as they don't believe in convention and the traditions because of now being able to create their own um, relationships. You know, we know a lot of like polyamorous relationships, open relationships, and this is also not just a queer community. It's everywhere today. It's all of humanity. Everyone's trying to make their relationship fit into their needs or what they require out of it. So why down that route of, you know, the convention again? 
and marriage maybe even no marriage is definitely on the cards we just haven't done it yet because like i was talking to him about it the other day and well like, oh god it seems like another job <laughs> because you have to invite like 500 people or something and have some like major situation so it feels like work <laughs> um and you know for those of you that don't know eli and i uh, produce a large number of very high scale events um where we come from uh which are which which are very very well attended and that are quite yeah, that are quite exciting. Just make it into one of the events and then just surprise get married in the middle of it. Oh, God, no. It's probably going to save it's, time. It's a, it's a thought of the <laughs> guest list. It's a thought, you know, we live very particular lives where we come from and we just are far too involved in community to not involve everybody and that's the problem. So anyway, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Sorry if you don't get an invitation, it's next year. Um, I think that like, you know, again... Perhaps it's because of where we're from. I'm not sure. But I think I think that one of the things, again, coming back to this idea of perfection, the reason why people seek polyamorous relationships, so why they seek, you know, this sort of like multiple partner situation is because somehow as an individual, you feel like, and there's nothing wrong with it, if that's the way that you feel. But mm. some people feel like, oh, well, this one person can't satisfy all my needs. So I will get the balance of my needs from this other person. And then we will, you know, support each other's needs within this. It's an interesting format for a, for a relationship. The way that we choose to do it is that we are aware of the fact that we cannot be fully everything for each other. But we have we are also very self-sufficient people remember we grew up in the third world so like we're very self-sufficient yeah. people in that if we don't have something we become that for ourselves mm. and i think it's it's your relationship is a constant negotiation so it's never it's never search for perfection within a relationship it's accepting the fact that a relationship is not perfect but that the person that you're with is perfect for you mm. so it's not that like so eli is perfect for me it's not that I am a perfect person or that he is a perfect, perfect person. It just, it just works. And I think that that's kind of what it is. But I think that broadly why many people, I think that there's still, it's funny though, because like I speak to friends of mine because I'm basically everybody's unofficial therapist. <laughs> and I speak to many friends of mine. Are who, you licensed? I want to check that. You know, honestly, I should probably <laughs> get one. I was thinking about this because they get paid a lot of money. Anyway. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I was speaking No, to but them. I want to check what set this is from. <laughs> Some <laughs> life. Um, but I was speaking to a friend of mine, I were multiple friends of mine uh, who are queer. And, you know, we get like similar responses, you know, like, oh, I wish I had what you and Eli have, for example. Mm. Um, and I find that interesting. I do find that interesting because it tells me that we still as human beings are looking for companionship. Maybe polyamory works for some people, you know, like that's sort of like the idea of that committed framework of relationship. For me maybe because my brain is too full, that like monogamy works. The mm. idea that they're just the two of us, that we're exclusive to each other, that we love each other and that we can be each other's support system. Yeah. You know, It's just not as broad or open. But what are your feelings about polyamory? What are your feelings, not just about polyamory, but we, we hear- <laughs> we're getting into it. <laughs> but we hear a lot yeah. about open relationships. So yeah. tell me. Um, going back to what you said, I myself believe in traditional monogamous relationships. Not that there's anything wrong with any other formats, but you know, there's certain things that you choose to do and why you do it. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is cultural and how we're raised. You know, we're raised with 
our families being very traditional. We are raised with the Bible. I was religiously. We, you know, we see all our cousins grow up and everyone gets married. We are taught very from a very early on, from very early age, you know, you find your your wife or your husband, you settle down, you have kids. So it's very ingrained from a cultural perspective. And that's all that's represented as well. That's all I see in my family. And um, I'm very, I'm one of those very lucky ones where my parents have been married for 35 years now, very much in love still. And I envy that because I look at that and I, and I watch it from the inside. You know, we're a very, very solid, happy family and everything stems from my parents' love. It, it really doesn't like, that's the core of it. My parents, my dad and my mom, they love each other a lot. I still joke till this day. I mean, I still travel with my parents. I, I joke with my sister all the time. Like we're babysitting our parents now that they're older. They're still like two young kids in love. They still hold hands 35 years later. And they're still walking down the street. They're still, my dad's still holding her against, you know, like when they're going to cross the road, my dad's still watching over her. So I watch all these things and I look at it and I'm like, you know, it'd be nice to have that because it's very rare in today's society when everyone's trying to you know make new relationships or try to fulfill every need for me it is about monogamy because i find that it's beautiful to have that one person that you're going to share your life experiences with but also knowing that you have to work with each other you know you have to like you said Eli is not going to fulfill your every need and also the fact that every single time it's a renegotiation or it's a rediscussion of you know where are we today how have we grown and what are our needs today and knowing that you are perfect for each other but still imperfect as people so I myself believe in that and that's why I told you when I heard your story as well, it's very rare, not just in a queer community setting, but in an everyday setting, because I have a lot of friends, um, hetero friends, straight friends, girlfriends who are in open relationships. And they, they, they you know, go for swingers party or they might have uh, three people in a relationship and that's good for them. Um, we don't judge for any of this. I mean, they're all doing what they think is the best for their relationship. But for me, I do believe in a monogamous relationship. I just haven't found a man. <laughs> that <was laughs> That's a whole different story. <laughs> no, it's interesting listening to you talk about your parents. My parents are not like that at all. So my parents have never been incredibly loving to each other, but they have always been a partnership. Yeah. Um, primarily because like they're both incredibly high performing individuals, um, which is why I am the way I am. Mm. Um, and they're constantly doing stuff and they've supported each other through life and they've done very, very well. Um, in business and in, in various things. Of course, my mother is from, is from a, is from a business family. So, you know, it is what it is. My dad has learned a lot from her and he's created his own identity around that. Um, and they've just continued to support each other, but they don't hold hands. They, you know, I've, I've never seen them do that sort of thing. It's just not something they do, but they've always been a strong partnership. And that's always been my example of partnership is that what it should, that's what it should look like to be mutually supportive. These are both expressions of love. The way that Eli and I are together, you know, that's an expression of love. And I think that what we need to do is not seek love. And I think that that's important. Seeking love is not, is not, you know, it's not it. What it is, it's being open to the possibility of it. You know, it comes to back to the analogy of riding the waves. You know, if, if you're avoidant and if you are not open, you might miss the wave that carries love and that carries that possibility. Now, 
you talked before <laughs> you knocked the cable out. I just can't get over that. It's about so a relationship that you had yes. when you came to Sydney. So you moved to Sydney for a relationship. So I still have to go back to it or can I pretend like it's already happened? Nope. Like now we're going to have to talk this. about it. Tell us <laughs> tell us about the guy. What happened? So I was in Sydney. Um, I moved over the first time around as a student just to do like a little stint of uni and it was always meant to be temporary just to experience Sydney being a, a Perth boy because I was raised in WA for the second part of my life for high school and I've always loved Sydney and I've always wanted to come through and when I came to Sydney I met someone towards the end of that journey and we had been together for one year while I was in Sydney and I moved back to Perth because that was always the plan. So we did long distance for another good year. And then I moved back. So I decided to move back um, to see where, you know, where it goes. But I had never realized the signs of it being an unhealthy relationship. Like a lot of my friends and a lot of people that, you know, you watch, you know, when you're in an unhealthy relationship, you don't, you don't fully see, you know, but you don't want to open your eyes and truly see all the signs. And you also see some signs and then you tend to like ignore you know, a few other things. For me, it was, he was a very good person. He was very loyal. He was, we were in a monogamous relationship. We were devoted to each other, but there were a lot of kicking me down. There were a lot of uh, putting me down. There was a lot of, um, you know, things that I would do. And, you know, I used to, I used to work with Turning Guy. I used to be the head of marketing for Turning Guy. I used to, so my job was like, you know, proving campaigns, creating events and, and, um, you know, large scale launches. We would do like a thousand person event at the Westin. Now it's the Fullerton and we'd do like long, global launches. I, you know, I would do all these things and I would be celebrated in my industry for doing all these things. And then I would come home and show him, you know, all the things that I've done and I would only hear negative criticism. And, you know, to me, I almost got used to it when I shouldn't have, mm. you know, it was really, it was a behavioral, it was a pattern that I, I, I knew was not right because even my friends kept telling me that, you know, I, we don't like this guy because he's putting you down. He's doing these things. But I chose to always, being the person that I am, I always chose to say, you know, but he's good, he's loyal, but he's, you know, he, he's there for me when I need him. But at the same time, on the day to day, we would argue a lot because of all these, you know, negative aspects. And and he was he was a gym buddy. He would go to the gym every day. And I was, you know, I couldn't be fucked. Like if I wanted to go once a week, that's what I'd do. But I was more secure than him. And, you know, even though he had six packs and I had my beautiful one pack going on, I would still be the more confident one. And it showed me like how insecure someone who is beautiful goes to the gym um, truly is and what goes in their heads underneath. And, you know, all this put together, I noticed towards the end of when I called it quits of, you know, why he kept bringing me down because I was very strong and I was positive and I radiated all this for myself that, you know, he needed to constantly push me down because of ins his insecurities. And, you know, coming out of that, I learned a lot about, you know, really knowing who I wanted to add to my life, really learning to love myself and not um, negating on the standards or not negating on what I'm after or who I'm after. 
I learned that, you know, a lot of a lot of your novels and a lot of your growing up teaches you about finding this, like we said, this perfect person, finding this person who's going to complete you. Uh, you know, that's the narrative. But it should never be about completing you. It should be about complementing you. And that's when I truly learned that, you know, when I bring someone into my life, it should be a bonus to my life. It shouldn't be this big, like, oh, you know, I have this person and he's now in my life. And, and this is, you know, it, it's, it shouldn't be that. It should just be that I love my life. I love my, you know, I, I'm secure with myself. If I never get into a relationship or if nothing ever happens, I'm still fine with that because I'm happy. But if someone does come into my life, then it is a bonus. They're adding onto my life and onto the richness of my life. Well, it's essentially about like two people coming together and you being complementary to each other's lives, right? So it's yeah. about you adding value to somebody, somebody adding value to you, but also together being sort of a bit of a force because your partner, whoever your partner is in life, and it's important for all of you who are very young to understand this, Choose your partner wisely when they come into your life. Make sure that you're aware of the signs early on because whoever you are with has a massive impact and determines sometimes where you end up. If you're a go-getter and if you're somebody who wants to do incredible massive things in life you need somebody who can support that mm -hmm. you need and they don't always have to look like a go-getter sometimes they are you know sometimes they're also go-getters and you kind of like vibe off each other but sometimes they support you and that's okay too and also be aware of the fact that sometimes you have to be the support so it's about falling in and out of roles in relationships but i think what's really interesting to touch on with that is i hear what you're saying Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying, but also, you know, but I also think to add on to what you just said, look out for the signs, but also sometimes people change in relationships as well. When yeah, you're in the relationship, sometimes people also change. So watch out for that too, because you may go in thinking it's all rosy and, you know, yes, at that stage of your life, you know, everything was good. He was good. Everyone's supporting each other, but then, you know, you get a job that, you know, threatens him and all of a sudden dynamics slowly change or, you know, something happens and people change. That's what I'm saying. People it's about constantly people's character. Change. It's about people's character. And I think that if somebody's character is founded correctly, then you can always negotiate. But if at any point you recognize that somebody's character is cracked, you got to throw them out. Mm -hmm. because it's very, very important because it'll hold you back and, at the, and it'll also hold you back from being open to the possibility of love because ultimately these traumas, like with what you went through with this particular partner of yours, these traumas that we face in life, because relationships, you know, when they don't work out can be quite traumatic and it, mm -hmm. and it can be quite upsetting and quite sad. And then in a way, you kind of come out of it and you're like, I need to be this strong, incredible, wonderful person and I'm going to be all, you know, an all-incumbent, wonderful thing all by myself. And I'm fine if there's never anybody else. But I think that we must always be aware not to become avoidant of the way that we feel. <laughs> we must learn to not become avoidant <laughs> of the truth and avoidant of how we truly feel. And we have to be we have to be able to acknowledge to ourselves if at any point there's an element of anxiety or fear around being open to love. Because again, it comes in waves. It comes in waves. It comes, it goes, it comes, it goes. You know, I mean you miss one, you'll catch another one. But 
you have to ask yourself truly if the trauma that you have experienced in a relationship has actually just closed you off to love. Because I hear that a lot in our generation. Mm. People being like, okay, I'm a fully self-sufficient individual. Oh, I look, love myself. Oh, my leg. <laughs> <laughs> you turn these lights off again. I will He's cut like you. Smiling. I will cut you. Um, <laughs> I have a razor in my back. Um, I, <laughs> I ain't scared. I've got bigger razors. <laughs> I think... Um, I think it's just important to acknowledge when we have decided as a people, because our generation tells us, you know, uh, we talked about last episode as well. So much of the narrative around, around the millennials at the moment and the Gen Z, of course, is, oh, you know, love yourself, love yourself, center yourself. You are the whatever. You are the center of the universe. One, we know that we're not the center of the universe. Mm. And two, also, yes, love yourself. Absolutely. But be open to the possibility of somebody else loving you. I just agree. because you love yourself well <laughs> and just because you love yourself completely, it doesn't mean Why do you keep smiling at me? Because I feel I like, like this I want to punch. I feel like this is no, this face. is therapy for you. This is cute, everybody. <laughs> Joel's getting therapy. No, he's not. I, <laughs> he's heard it five thousand times now from Fuzz Fuzz Arena. So. I just feel like you gotta be open to you somebody else. You definitely have to be open. You. I can afford to be more open. Amen. There we go. Thank That's you. all I need Sessions to hear today on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody, for God joining us. <laughs> America. We love that you are here today. What a gorgeous way to end today's podcast on love. Joel is now open and to remember, love. I and love taking you applications. More. So send through oh, your applications to the Fags and Fendi Instagram page with photos. Um, and Joel is now open to marriage. So thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>